Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Welcome to Starlight, guys. Good to have you back. Uh, as you know, we've been rocketing our way through season one, and uh, we're still on that long, awful, never making it to the Sunmaker mission. <laughs> I'm joined by three wonderful people. Five Jensen, played by Sam Williams. Atlas, played by Nathan Coons. And the resident elephant. McKenna Ali, played by Courtney Yorks. And um, for those of you that have been with us, well, we've, we've, well, McKenna's prepared something extra special for you. So before we get into the show, please take it away. This is Bad Poetry by McKenna Ali. Starlight, it's a sight. Thank you for being bright. The universe is grand. But we're a new brand. We will try to thrive while trying to survive. Thank you for your support. We promise to report. And next time, next episode, you'll have a poem about Atlas. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we're, we work every Tuesday for peanuts. Okay. Um, and with that, let's dive in. Neuralink. Please access most recent events from my memory bank. Accessing. Jettisoning far from the prison, the crew of spacers find themselves all looking for the Sunmaker, who lies hidden, hopefully, on the strange colony planet of Thala, times spent in hyperjump, were done plotting by the Acer Atlas, and the starts of a newfound friendship began to grow between McKenna and Clive. Held loosely together, nothing is certain, for these strange bedfellows, Thela awaits. Memories retrieved. Rayla pulled up the computer nav unit, and you were met by a voice that said, Gravity, 1.5 standard, atmosphere, normal, days, two days in length, here, 1.5 years. And it continues to start droning on about this planet that you guys are looking from the hologram viewport almost at a diagonal southerly direction. It is an outbound planet. It is a planet that has been colonized within the past recent 200 years. And it is a place that folks don't often go to unless they're looking for a new start. Of the things that seem to catch your attention... This planet is strange in that the entirety of the equatorial part of it is covered in what looks to be like 
thick white clouds when they kind of part as clouds so often do you can make out just barely white land masses it's the poles of the planet that seem to have this flat brownish green uh, coloration to it very different from many other planets and it's a little bit smaller Rayla goes over to the uh, interface unit, drives her hand back into the meaty flesh to control the dragon, and she goes, all right. <clears throat> so, a few things for you guys to know. I'm going to be dropping you off in Sanctuary. That's the biggest city there, and you guys are going to be finding your own transport from there into Nanoi. Um, and she takes one hesitant look back at Clive and she goes and you're on your own you're gonna to need to be careful out there some folks are they're not as open as I am and she starts to bring the dragon towards the uh, northerly pole of the planet kind of like the same normal hums as the, the dragon starts to break the atmosphere there's like you can feel the dragon kind of start to quake just and you open up she still has actually some of the viewing ports open through the hologramic image and it's kind of taken on a reddish pink tint as you are breaking through the atmosphere of Thela colony you start to kind of move your way uh, through what seems to be a relatively flat landscape until you, as you start to get more and more northwardly towards Sanctuary, you start to see more and more jagged peaks, brown in color. This planet on the poles is covered in thick mountainscapes, sharp uh, and filled with crevices and canyons. And as you guys are kind of coming in during the middling of the day, seems to be flourishing with patches of green but not in like a flora fauna way, just almost a carpeting. You guys start to come upon not a great city, but a big city. Um, and Rayla points out, she goes, there's sanctuary. She goes, ah, computer, pull up viewing port, magnify. The computer starts to pull it up and you get like kind of the whirring of robotics and the beeps as it starts to kind of as it kind of pulls into view of this not bustling but relatively busy city and you make out various dragons and transport ships that are kind of moving back and forth uh, in an orderly fashion using some of the the uh, air lanes um, and the entirety of the city has you almost see no wooden structures it is all almost made of rock or steel and it is there is like some interference that kind of starts to break in over the just like uh, channels of the dragon and it just it's a low break uh, Rayla says ah, and uh, that'll be the electro lifts just take a look there 
and your eyes are kind of drawn, and you start to see that the city floats probably about 20 feet above the ground on these like massive uh, steel platforms, and there is a electric bluish vibrating light under various parts of the city. Uh, And as she starts to pull towards what is a massive domed complex with it, and the dome has actually a cutout hole, you start to kind of sink into it. It's almost like a chasmist hole with various uh, landing bays and pads that all kind of connect. And she goes, and bay six, here we are. And the dragon kind of lands. You hear the, the legs splay out as it touches onto the ground. And there is another voice similar to when you guys got on, got to the warp frame that hails the ship and kind of breaks in with a <sighs> Captain Hutchington. Transport, dropping off, commerce. Now, just dropping off passengers. <sighs> Gonna need a manifest and uh, make sure that their credentials are ready. Yeah, she goes, sure. They come uh, they, they come from Titan One with the, uh, the, the guild's backing. The voice kind of pauses. I'm still going to need to see that. Make sure that they're ready, presentable. We will have the Bay Warden out to come and check the ship and make sure that you are not carrying anything illegal on standard protocol. Of course. And as the ship lands... The gate starts to come down. Rayla looks at the three of you. She goes, well, it's been a pleasure. Best of luck. She says, um, I got other business to go to, but I'll be in town for a bit, but not, not much longer. Uh, she raises one of her dwarf forefingered hands up to each one of you and gives it a shake. And um, she just nods curtly and leads the way for you guys to go ahead and walk down the platform and out of the dragon. Awesome. I'm going to follow her. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, do, uh, <clears throat> we do appreciate the lift, and I definitely appreciate uh, you keeping, keeping things that you saw to yourself. Yeah, you know, when you kind of grow up in a rough area, you see a lot of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't care where you're from, where you're going. As long as you're good to me, it's fine. But, like I said, you probably should keep a little tight lip about things. Well, you know, it's not like it's information I share normally, but uh, considering the situation we were in, felt like it was necessary. Yeah, well, I hear you. She looks over at Atlas, and she then kind of under her breath kind of mumbles so that only McKenna and Clive hear, and she goes, you could just tell him to maybe be a little more friendly. I think that would go a long ways for him. We're working on it, sweetheart. 
I wouldn't necessarily say he's unfriendly. He just socially inept. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. And she goes, <laughs> well, best of luck. And she strides past you to meet a man in a green jumpsuit. Uh, he is blue of skinned and has what seems to be some very transhuman augments to him. And he's a little, he has like a double chin. He has a servo bot kind of whirring behind him, keeping ledgers. Makes small talk with uh, the captain uh, of the ship. And then she produces a ledger, shows it to him. He nods and she starts to go her own way. And he comes up to you, the three of you, and says, Oh, First time in Blaylor Colony, I see. Yeah, it's a nice little place you guys have here. And we'll, we'll we like to keep it that way. So, <clears throat> it's kind of my job to look into each person coming in and clear them. It's a really short matter. Uh, if you all don't mind, I need to look and go ahead and scan your newer links and just get you in the database. Uh, and... As well as, uh, while I'm doing that, if you could just update me with what your plans are. You're here for trade, pleasure, business. Well, me personally, I would say I'm here for a bit of a bit of pleasure and a bit of business. Uh, looking for any... I'm looking, looking for some information on some things I've been looking into. Nothing, nothing big, nothing serious. I just have... I have a few leads that have pointed me in this direction. Hmm. Oh, well, uh... And what's the nature of your stay? Are you planning on staying for a while? Or any kind of, like, is checking around each of your, um... Neuralinks and seems to be clearing just fine. There's no change in his expression. It seems to be standard procedure. She looks at you, Clive, and... Uh, and asks you... Well, considering, uh... We don't really have a... A pilot, and this was a uh, you know a one-time trip to this to this colony for us. Um, I would say we're we're probably going to be here for a while, at least until we can procure another uh, mode of transport. So I will put you down for work potentially. Money doesn't grow on trees, am I right? <laughs> if only it did. Yeah, and um, are you all all three traveling together then? For now, yeah. Yeah, for now. For now, okay. It's pleasure, work. Yeah. All right. A few rules to know about sanctuary and the uh, greater area of Vela in, in general. I'm sure you got the uh, update, but we are constantly racked with classics earthquakes, uh, hence the floating city. <sighs> this is the case for pretty much everywhere. Except for um, Nanoi. They tend to do things a little bit more faultily. Uh, as, as tends to be the case when someone doesn't denies to not join the Federation. Um, pretty much the rules are simple. You don't start trouble. We have your information. We <clears throat> are an outbound uh, colony. And therefore, we are a bit out of the way for Federation jurisdiction of the deliverance of law. 
and we do believe in capital punishment and uh, we also believe in many other things uh, good uh, for you as you're looking for work um, this is quite the greeting sir I was about to say do you, do you greet everybody <laughs> that comes to the colony like this or are we special well, uh, <laughs> no I would say if you were a merchant we would have a little bit more talk about your commerce but in general, people are coming from all over the universe, and some who maybe have found their ways off of those backwards planets, <clears throat> they are not quite understanding of the civilized nature of which we try to keep here in Thela. So we want to keep it that way. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I'm curious if you might just quickly tell me more about Nanoi. And how we might get there, or what is going on more there in depth. <clears throat> you want to go to Nanoi? Possibly. Seems like an interesting place. Mm. I have a friend staying there. Well, but before before you answer, I'd, why didn't they join the Federation? <clears throat> you want the long history lesson or the short one? Well, we don't have a whole lot of time. Have a, have a, give me the short one. Yeah, okay, I prefer to talk about the short one. Um, to put it simply, <clears throat> Ninoy was the original settlement here uh, on Thela Colony. And as such, they were the ones who first began mining the silicate formations for making second skin suits, making stronger glass, better plastics. They were started as a private enterprise by a Mr. Ackerm. Now, Mr. Ackerm deemed that he didn't want to work within the framework of the democracy of the Federation and liked to think of himself as more of a uh, dictator. Silent type. Kept to himself. Kept things quiet and I have no idea how, but he seemed to get many people who were looking for work, better life, to come and live out in Fela. Uh, I'm sure you're curious about my disdain for it, but I've had family move out there, and before Nanoi started trying to join, which that is a recent development and, and, and good for them and their economy. It wasn't uncommon for folks to simply drop off the face of the earth. And I just do not have a lot of respect for someone who tries to control a city that way. Um, and that is the... I suppose that's not really an answer. But they are trying to join now. Okay, well, what... What changed? What? Why are they? Why are they trying to join now as opposed to earlier on? Is is this <clears throat> is this Akram? Is he still head or in charge? Quote unquote. Hmm. He kind of looks down at his data pad, and then looks at you. Looks back at the servo bot, which it has like three little like cameras that kind of twirl and look straight at him and zoom away and look at all of you and. <clears throat> I'm not really supposed to talk too much about politics or the state of things as 
Go ahead and make a charisma roll, Clive. All right. That's going to be a solid three. There are talks of a sudden void in leadership. And uh, it would seem that maybe there are a few who got tired of the way things were run. But even then they made their bed and went to go live there. So it's the process, the many years it takes to join, is something you'll have to live with. Anyways, if... Miss Loxodon, you are so certain you want to go there. You can find terminal passage that way. And he points to a door. Um, it's pretty pretty large to accommodate all various types of people, races, or vehicles. And he gives you directions to get to essentially what is similar to like the London uh, like tube. You know, we got to go deeper under under into the facility to get to the train. Okay. Which terminal was it? Did you see that? Two? Hmm. Or do you know? Oh, terminal. I think it's... B6? It's not a very convincing B6. It's in the Bs. Okay. Perfect. And we'll head there. Thank you so much. Pulls him aside real quick. Now, just for me, do you, do you know if there's any good dancing clubs? <laughs> oh, well, I might be able to oblige you and <laughs> tell you about a few good ones. Yes, I, there are multiple here in Sanctuary. Uh, what is your style? The waltz? The competitor? Well, uh, I think what I just learned, I think, uh, what did she call it? I think it was a ball, ballroom, almost. Oh, yes, there's a very good competitive ballroom dancing scene. <laughs> you seem quite excited about this. This is something that you partake in, I, I guess. <laughs> For about 12 years now, I've been competitively dancing. I think I'm very close to earning my card. Oh, cool. really? Oh, well, you know, I hope we can cross paths on the dance floor sometime. Yes, I would... Please, the place is called Grace's Swan. Tell her Mr. Lawrence sent you. Mr. Lawrence, and is, that must be your name then, sir? Uh, Alakritaki Lawrence, yes. I'm just going to call you Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, most people don't partake in learning about the old ways of dancing. It is a beautiful form of expression, and I, and my heart is warmed to know that there is someone who shares in this, instead of this cyber nonsense of emote coloring, and pleased. And, and, and he looks down his pad and he goes, uh, Mr. Jensen. Well, it was... A pleasure. I do appreciate the uh, the greeting that you've given us and the information, and uh, hope uh, one day we will maybe cross paths. Uh, it is would be a pleasure. I do look forward to seeing how well, just to see how competitive you can be, and maybe we can make wages. Well, you know, who knows? I might be able to show you a few moves myself. <laughs> we'll see. I so wish I was in that conversation. 
Okay. I am just waltzing my way over. Waltzing. Um, so with a big... Yes. <laughs> to be fixed. Colonel. Yeah. All right, well, gang, I guess... Uh, yeah, I'll I guess we'll start traveling on to uh, Nanoi. It seems to be the common common location where we all need to go. Do we want to do anything else while we're here? I mean, we just entered this big new city. Is it is it relatively big or is it? Yeah, it's, it's decently big. Okay. It, it's um. What a dance, Clive? Is that what you're? No, no. <laughs> well, I was only thinking we just got here, and as of right now, we don't have any way off off this planet, this colony. Might be a smart idea to kind of look for that kind of route before we get into anything too deep. There's no rush. I mean, there's so much to learn and explore in a new place and just see what it's all about. All right, all right. Well, then, I guess uh, McKenna lead the way. And who knows? Maybe we can find a way place to dance and teach Atlas a thing or two. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even enjoy that. I don't know what you talked about. I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, on to B6. So, as you guys are making your way through this massive, like, relatively massive terminal first, especially having just come from a prison uh, detention center area where there is none of this, it's decently big. It's, um, and, and part of that is you're seeing that because this is a colony planet, they rely a lot on things being transported in. So it, this... This uh, space terminal is more or less actually used, as you're noticing, for the hauling of goods. Um, and it's like a like a ship port almost. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you kind of get the sense that the means by which to have normal life here doesn't exist until it's fully terraformed. Um, and it seems like you can see all manner of food being imported in. Uh, every you, you see like piles of lumber from other planets. Um, you get the sense that, you know, this is something similar to some town being built somewhere for the sole purpose of one thing, you know, whether that's like coal or, or like whatever. Here it's silicate structures. Merchant city almost. Mm-hmm. Is there any increase of population in Waxodons here? Go ahead and make a perception roll. Now while she's doing, so you said, uh... They, they mine silicate here, so 20. is it safe to assume that most of the things here, like the structures and whatnot, are made out of this sort of material? Yeah, as, as you're looking around, you're seeing most of the things are made out of metal. You do see various, like, facades of, like, silicate rock that's been framed, almost like, this is what we do, look at this, this beautiful, uh, this is the lifeblood of us. But you're actually seeing most things either being made of, like, the interior anyways, made of metal or wood structure that's been obviously imported. There are some like pictures of like some of the original settlements and how people built them out of built like houses, little huts out of these silicate structures. Um, but not necessarily using the not getting the silicate out of the rock and, and specifically making with that, but just mm-hmm. using the rock that has it in it. As you're looking around with your is that a natural twenty? No, it was an eighteen plus two. So as you're looking around uh, you don't see any loxodons uh, per se, but you do see a uh, viewing screen, and it flashes and it goes. We interrupt your daily programming to bring you this breaking news. 
and the screen cuts to black and kind of then side swipes and you see a large lumbering figure in the view screen dressed in dark cloaks you can just make out the tips of two um, tusks that are kind of capped in gold and then it goes back to the reporter and it says if you see this figure appears to be oxidon please report it right away to the yeah report it right away to the yeah there seems to be confirmations of kidnappings happening and then it starts to go and starts to dial away into a, a different region far away in the galaxy does this person look familiar make an insight check I need a whisper in your ear. Ooh. Okay. Now, as you continue on, you are seeing all manner of creatures and 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 beings. Um, please, Clive, will you describe some of like? the things you're seeing as they're walking past you, because it's a pretty bustling uh, thoroughfare. Well, it's a conglomerate of all all types of different people. It doesn't seem like there's any any one way or one kind of person here to doing it. It seems like this, this, whole, this whole colony was built on being different. And uh, it's quite fascinating coming from all that time we spent on the prison to see all these different people mingling together and might actually be able to might actually be able to find a good place to settle down here, you know, sometime in the future if that were if that were ever on the table. And as you're kind of like watching all these strange beings who don't seem to have any commonality except the new start, you realize that a lot of them are refugees or people down on their luck. And uh, as you're thinking, like, ah, oh, this might be a great place to, to calm down, you see this six-legged lizard with frills that kind of come off from the side. There is a bald woman riding it through and just kind of, like, pushes through each of the, like, past you and just says in a different language, just, yeah, she, uh, uh, and starts to pass. Like I said, <laughs> all sorts of different kinds of people. You know, I'm starting to wonder, though, I wonder if Horace might like it here. Hmm. I can pay him back for all he's done. Well, anyway, this is me thinking to myself. I am pale and ghost white and not looking away from the screen. <laughs> hey, Atlas. Can you, go, can you go check on McKenna? She hasn't moved for quite a while. I'm a little worried. Bro, walk up. Yeah, McKenna, and like caught really that's hard enough to hurt her, but pretty hard to like hard enough to startle her. Like right on the back of her like neck and back kind of thing. Just say, walk up and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" I am going to jump like so startled and trumpet really loud. I'm scared. So the crowd, like the people that are <laughs> passing by, go. And there's like somebody who's like selling food on the side, and he's just like, "Okay, whoa, oh, 
I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Let's go. We have, we have to go. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go, while she, like, cause she's just looking at it. I'm gonna actually ask, I'm gonna ask McKenna. Is that, as, like, do you know who that is? Um, we have, we have to go. And I'm gonna walk towards B6. Is that the Sunmaker? I'm walking towards B6. It appears she knows something that she's not telling us. Yeah, looks like it. We'll right. go with you, but pause. Right. Uh, follow. When we get there, you need to tell us what's going on. Um, I was a little startled by that, but I don't forget the fact that I know nothing about you, Clive Jensen. I'm not bored. Well, then neither am I. And you guys, as you're having <laughs> just left you die on the moon. You start to finally round your way having gone through the various hallways, passing the various vendors, uh, the crowd starts to thin as you start to descend deeper and deeper in the structure to you, literally, when you get to area B, it's actually B5, um, well, Mr. Lawrence was a little bit off. The crowd has thinned to, you're probably running into about 10 people at a time when like, at any one point, like it's, you know, it was like an airport style where you're passing like 30, 40, 50 people and now you, you know, you passed about three levels of different train stations leaving to various areas. And it is by far the darkest and dingiest here. There is, there's the terminal uh, door to like the train lift. And right next to it, there's a little cutout window, uh, you know, like, you know, the kind like that night security sit in or it's a small booth. And in it, you see a woman, a human, mixed with something she's kind of a sallow brown and she has a, a white afro just in um these like little earrings and the kind of lips that kind of pooch out like a slug and she just draws in a breath of her cigarette and just goes <sighs> three tickets to the noy <coughs> it gets better darling <laughs> yeah, we need to take Hey, uh, Atlas, it looks like we finally found someone that can smoke with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass. pass. Three tickets. That's gonna be 150 credits. Well, guess we don't have much of a choice then. I hand over my credits. Yeah, I'll hand over my 50. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Three backwater tickets. Here you go. And you just hear this little, she types into a machine. And instead of like getting like the kind of tickets where it like uploads straight to your Neuralink for verification, you hear this little machine printing. She rips it off. And she hands each of you three uh, like admit one coupon tickets. Paper tickets? I, I haven't. I have never seen one of these. I've only ever read about. It. I didn't even know they still had these. Do they even still even make paper this way? Eh. It's not my choice, darling. And I noticed you called them backwater tickets. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? They're going to the back ass of Thela. Hmm. Is that now? Is that is that just <laughs> your opinion, or is that just like a collective opinion of? Just curious. She takes in a long, 
uh, breath of smoke and then breathes it out into your face. And she finishes it with a nice little ring like of smoke. <laughs> she goes, Darling, they're the back ass of Thela. Because, well, you'll see. Well, then, how how did the lovely lady such as yourself find, find yourself down here <laughs> handing out back-ass tickets? <laughs> well, my damn children took the rest of my retirement, spent it on the drugs, and now I'm here working through it. Mm, I see, I see. Well, that's very unfortunate. Oh, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Nah, don't be. Don't be. They were born of passion. Okay. And uh, take she, care. Uh, she presses a button. The door opens, <laughs> which leads you into, you know, literally. Because Clive, I know you looked a little bit into history a bit. It looks like an old New York subway, and uh, you guys wait about ten minutes or so, and then there's a ding, and you hear the rush of air and the zapping of electricity. You kind of come to the edge, and you look down. And as you're looking down, you can see the bottom, uh, like where the ground is of Bela. It is your steel suspended above the air, and you can just see small um, discs that have like that are connected by electricity and creating like a like a repulsion for this train as it's coming through the air. It stops, kind of just like, I mean, it's rusted. The doors squeak when they open. It has graffiti on the windows um, and little bars, and the door just kind of opens. And about you three and two other folk get on. The two other folk, um, they don't look sketchy, but uh, they also just, they're kind of keep to themselves. They kind of huddle to a different part of the train. Are they... Does it appear that they're together, or they're just two separate people that are just getting on the train? Uh, together, together. And it's just us five on the train. Yep. Mm. And there's like easily room for like fifty. Well, uh, I sure hope this train will hold. What a lovely little transportation system. Hmm. Yeah, it looks kind of kind of run down to me. It's like it looks, looks kind of like a systems that were in the old books I used to read. Hmm. Atlas, it kind of reminds me of of your dragon a little bit. I would say it kind of reminds me of you, Atlas. <laughs> a little rough around the edges. Uh-huh. <laughs> and with that, the door closes and a voice comes on over the system. Please scan your ticket at the counter. And then it starts to, the train starts to move as you see a little tiny little counter with a humanoid looking bot. It's obviously not synthetic as it's just running through relays of the same message over and over again. You can see in its chest area, there's like an area for you to scan your ticket. And you guys are able to settle in for the train ride. Now, as you guys start to make your way through the sky rail you see as you're going through sanctuary sanctuary is actually a beautiful city i mean over 200 years has been put into building this rather modern city um and 
you can just see like all of the signs of like thriving trade, which has helped kind of build this city. Um, the edges of the city, because you flew over it, you see are protected by these uh, metallic walls that kind of pulse like a, a jade green from the top of like the parpets of it. And there is a small circle hatch that looks like it kind of slides open for the train as it goes through and you start to rocket out of sanctuary um as you guys are heading to Nanoi, the ride is it's you know you guys are moving really fast you're, you're moving much faster than like the, the japanese like light like not light speed but uh like those the, the japanese um you know what I'm talking about, those quick trains. We'll call yes. them quick trains. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> quick trains. Yes. <laughs> uh, I never said it was perfect. <laughs> but you are watching as the ground starts to pick up momentum and starts to blur. Um, and all you can see, actually under the light of, of the sun um, is just this like brownish ground um, with like slopes and peaks and valleys and whenever like the train's shadow starts to like kind of cross over it you see some of the green that's kind of growing on top of these like rocks start to pull away into small little buds that close up and mm. become like the color and then as soon as the shadow starts to leave they start to re-sprout open once they're in the sunlight again there are volcanic structures that are just constantly issuing like great bellows of smoke that seem to be coalescing and kind of heading towards the equator to witness the ground shaking multiple times and structures just like breaking apart. Um, and eventually you guys start to make your way into Nanoi. Nanoi uh, is an island and as you guys kind of like cross the water and you start to come into Nanoi, a, a speaker kind of comes up and it says, Nanoi in 20 minutes, please hold tight. And as you start to come closer and closer, you find a city that is less city and more town, village. It is enclosed in a like kind of like looks like a force filled bubble um, and the train seems to pierce through it kind of like the bubble kind of absorbs around the train and then suddenly the bubble seems to create like a yellowish light or haze throughout the entirety of this little tiny um, village you can see that the train is pulling into a much smaller uh, let's say like port of entry and the last thing you see before entering these great mountainous ranges to the north of the city. And the city is pretty much primarily built on the edges of the water. The two people that were on the train kind of share like a smile with each other and then nod and, and get off. And uh, you guys also get off the train. And immediately, the very first thing you see is a great huge pavilion and in the center of the pavilion, there is a tall, tall statue, on the order of about 20 feet, completely brass. Uh, and it shows a 
thick figure um, in muscle and in height, uh, and seems to be a man, but the face is left completely uh, without any demarcation of who. Thing. It's just like a blank face. And the only things that you see in the hands of it is curled up by the chest of the statue. It appears to be some sort of a thick book. And in the other hand, there's a chain with that seems to look like it's leads into some sort of like broken either dagger or tusk or implement or something like that. And at the very bottom, you just see a small little uh, placard that just says to Mr. Acker, our great leader. That doesn't look very inviting. This whole place looks not very inviting. I mean, it, why is it so yellow? I say we should just spice it up a little bit while we're here. Well, what do you mean by that? I say we dance in the middle of dance this pavilion. Away. Put a little dance party and bring the people out. Yeah, yeah. it'd yeah, be a good way to find someone. This is a possibility. I, I do remember reading in some of the those history books that I looked into something about. I think it was uh, called like, like a flash mob. Oh, tell me more about a flash mob. Well, Mr. It's interesting. I, I think people back in the day used them as a way to communicate with each other. They would gather like 15 to 20 people. And then just randomly break out into dance in the middle of large crowds. And I think it was kind of a way to show some sort of affection, maybe? Alice. Very weird. You would be so good in this whole flash mob thing. Oh, he would be the center of attention. He would. If, if, uh, if we were trying to get found, news feed is actually here. What do you think, Okina? You think what? I'm sorry. The, uh... Man in the news feed? The, the man that you're so scared of? I'm not scared of him. Oh yeah, that's right. What what was up with that? I don't know what you're you talking like about. You looked like you just saw a ghost. Well, I did see a ghost to the left of the screen, and it just kind of went away, so I got a little, little nervous. <laughs> I recognize you him. You know what? Uh, we were just, friends for the sake of it, I will just in, inside check too and see if she seems actually scared of the person. I just told you we were friends at one point and things went up, off and it was a little concerning some of the things that he was doing and I got nervous and so I left. Make an insight check, Atlas. That's low. Uh, I think my insight's actually... I have a... Oh yeah, three. You don't... There could be more, there could not. I mean... <laughs> look, like, Loxazons kind of lack some of the same, like, facial like ability to move their fa like facial muscles in the same way. So it's really... It does make it hard to read her. Um, now, can you also make a perception roll, Atlas? Yeah. Yeah. Perception. 11. 11. Okay. You watch as the few people that are working there, there is one person as you're almost about to get out of the great, because the, the gates to the 
terminal and the, this whole station are huge, um, almost in like Eastern European, where it, the the entrance is so large, it's almost like makes makes you feel small. And there's these great steps, and you notice a uh, average looking fellow. He has a ball cap kind of pulled low over his eyes, and he seems to be watching all of you. Looks around, all directions, and then takes the cap and moves it backwards and starts to make his way towards you. Do we all see this? Uh, uh, I'm just going to wait till he like, actually gets closer. I'm just going to let him approach. Okay. So, as he starts to approach, you are... You're the only one seeing this atlas. Um, McKenna and Clive are kind of like in conversation. And you watch as a uh, takes off the hat one more time, kind of combs his hair back. It's like jet black. And you can just make out that this, his face is like covered in scales. And he has almost like snake, he's like snake eyes, which would suggest to you some sort of tiefling. Excuse me, folks. Y'all looking kind of new here. You're looking not new here. How might we help you? <laughs> well, that's because I'm not new here. Very perceptive of you. And I was actually thinking that you folks might be needing some help. And then he breaks into a low bow and he goes, Dwindle, at your service. Have you read in the history books about car salesmen in the past? You know, that's, that is one thing I did not see. No, there's these things called sleazy car salesmen. And this guy seems similar to that of which I've read. Hmm. Now, <laughs> you, you said your name was what now? Dwindle? Dwindle. At your service. Dwindle or just, <laughs> just Dwindle? Well, what, just, what makes you feel more comfortable, sir? Mm. Well, I, I'm just curious. Do you, do, you, do you greet everybody that shows up like this? Or, or are you just... Did you have your eye on us especially, or...? Well, you have the marks of someone who does not quite belong here. And, it, yes, call it a part of my business flair. And when he says that, you see these frills, um, similar to like a cobra frills, just kind of go... Ooh, kind okay. of yeah, opens don't, up. Please don't move your neck at me like that. It makes me uncomfortable. Now, I'm, I'm curious. It, this place doesn't seem all that bad. Now, back back at the, uh, the main colony, they make you guys seem like... Well, how did they put it? Uh, the ass of Taylor Colony? It doesn't seem that bad here. <laughs> it takes time. But I will tell you. There are asses here. There are asses there. There are asses everywhere. Well, All right, Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Dr. Who? No, Dwindle. Duck. Dr. Dwindle or Dwindle? What makes you feel more comfortable? I like Dr. Dwindle. I, I feel like there's some like professional into that. Uh, yes, I'm glad you asked. <clears throat> I am Dr. Dwindle, tourist leader extraordinaire. And he produces out a card from the back of his pocket and holds it up. And it is just like a small like data pad card to share his business. And it's poorly scrawled on, ba- barely like legible. Um, and it, you get it says something to the effect of Mr. Dwindle DS is here to provide the service of tourism 
Well, show us around, Dr. Dwindle. Yeah, well, that sounds like it could be quite fun. Atlas, we got some time to kill, right? Like you said earlier, we're not in any rush. Look, it would be my absolute pleasure, folks. Um, <clears throat> what might I call you all? Uh, well, they, they call me Billy Bob. Billy Bob? Can you make a deception check, please? Billy Bob? Natural 20. He, uh, <laughs> smiles, and you see, like, two little fangs in the front, and he goes, Billy Bob. Billy Bob Jensen. Billy nice Bob. to meet you. Ah, it's a pleasure to meet you. I love new blood in the city. And he, and he looks you up and down, Atlas, and he goes, the bodyguard, I assume. What is your name? Isn't that being called? Right? Sure. Uh, uh, my name's the Sunmaker. The Sunmaker? Go ahead and make a deception check. I know for a fact that you're lying. You say that out loud? Yes. He looks at the two of you and he goes, So what is his name? It is not the Sunmaker. I'm sorry. I cannot let him get away with this blatant lie when I know who the Sunmaker is. Well... In that case, everyone has their secrets and we must respect that. So, not Sunmaker, that we will shall presume. Much better. And I'm so sorry to blow your cover there, Atlas, but you're not the Sunmaker. Atlas? I remember you denying that you knew who the Sunmaker was, and I don't think Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did not know that my presence would I, cause such problems. Uh, don't worry. I don't think it's you. I wasn't expecting this either. Hi. My name is Nikalali. Well, uh, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Thank you. <laughs> McKenna Ali, not Sunmaker Atlas, and Billy Bob Jensen. That is correct. Let old dwindle massage your woes away and Thank show you, you the wonders <laughs> of Nanoi. We have few, not many, few, not many, but my services aren't free. And so... Can I ask? I was thinking something to the sum of a tour, a history, and questions answered at 45 credits apiece. Sleazy car salesman, I tell you. Sleazy? Me? Forty-five credits. That seems pretty steep. Now, can you ensure that we're going to see some exciting things? Exciting. Well, if my name isn't Doctor Dwindle, exciting. Yes. Then I don't know who I am. How about? Uh, <laughs> I don't think you know who you are. How about twenty-five credits? You know, we just we just got here, you know, a little little light on resources. Go ahead and make a persuasion check. Alrighty. That's a natural twenty. Twenty-five's a little light for my services. I'll go twenty-five if we cut the history. Thirty-five and history. I'll go thirty and history. Make a persuasion check with advantage. 
I like you. You should get into the touring business. 32 and no lower. All right, 32, you have yourself a deal. <laughs> um, Wonderful. You, you realize he will lie to us. Oh, of course. Then why are we paying him 32 credits? Well, see, we pay him 32 credits, or we're stumbled around this place on our own anyway. At least that way we have somebody here who knows a little bit about where we're going. He also could be pulling us into a trap. He also could not be pulling us into a trap. See, sometimes, McKenna, I feel like you try to see the worst in people. You just need to be a little more positive. That is totally false about me. Mm, I have done nothing to prove to you that I see the worst in people, but I've actually proven the exact opposite. Well, I guess it's all a matter of I'm sorry, I won't be paying him any money to show me around this town. Well, that's fine. I can ferry around two people. Enjoy your stay, McKenna. And he starts to walk off, uh, like, almost expectingly for Clive and Atlas to follow. You coming with me, Atlas? Yep. Yeah, right. What are you doing, McKenna? I'm following. Are you trailing behind by like, I don't know, like... Yes. Okay. <laughs> he looks back and he flashes a knowing smile, the two fangs just showing. And there's just like a little forked tongue. Just... I hate teethlings. <laughs> so, friends, this is Nanoi. And he walks out onto a platform and it's a floating platform. Um, and he goes... First things to get first. They call us the backass of this planet because we do things a little differently. Here, take your heads, peek down. And he throws his head over the side of the platform and you can see that it is not floating. It is held by multiple um, uh, like legs, me mechanical legs with various like circles at various, like there's probably like 10 different like circles that kind of like seem to widget and move with the land as it's changing and and he goes hmm, this is old tech but you know we like to do things the old way so that's the first thing to know that every once in a while things fall into the ground because we don't have the money to replace them so that's exciting yeah wow. yeah that's real exciting it's a uh, living life on the edge a little bit out here i guess well, the people out here are hardworking, and the founder, Mr. Ackerm, was quite correct in settling here. It's just he thought he could do it all himself, and his coffers ran dry. The silicate here, it is absolutely the best. The problem is Mr. Ackerm didn't want us to join the Federation, so we have very little to trade it with. So we get a lot of people who do a lot of black market trading. <laughs> I can let you know about a few places if you are looking to procure some goods. <clears throat> Do I know of any of the uh, basers working out here? Or no? Like any great um, posts or anything somewhere? Go ahead and make a history check. Uh, natural 20. Wow. Natural 20. Yes. Not in Nanoi, but in adjacent in Sanctuary. There are, uh, there's a small branch of XCOM out there. They tend to branch out into a lot of the, into a lot of the, like, colonizing, um, planets because 
there are various dangers and stuff, and they provide arm armaments for protection. Um, as settlers are given a little bit more leeway with the weapons they can carry. Um, so, as you guys start to continue, he starts pointing you to various places, and he, he goes, huh, So where to begin? Hmm. Well, let's start with the laws. <laughs> the, the important ones. These little thimbles that hold the place, they are directly affected by Dragon's anti-gravity. Something about it drives it crazy. That's why you took the train in. It's illegal to drive a dragon over these parts because you literally collapse the whole thing. <clears throat> As you can see, the entire town, it's built near the sea. And he points out in the distance, and you can see a succession of four sea walls that get progressively higher. He goes, mm, due to the earthquakes, we often have the threat of tsunamis. That's exciting. But the walls break them. Little ingenious old world tech from Mr. Akram. The beautiful part is. There's no beautiful part. <clears throat> he points further out, now into the northerly uh, part of town. And you just see, like, as you kind of like crest up a platform, so you're a bit higher, so you have a view, you can see past a bunch of housing districts. And you see an expanse where there are a bunch of platforms that seem to be floating. Uh, and they're maybe about 10 feet and, you know, on all sides. And people are, like, working on them, going to various, almost like cactus-like structures of rock that are just jutting up. It almost looks like a forest of rock. He goes, ah, that, that is the sparsing. That is where most of the harvesting and mining and gathering of the silicate happens. It's a very interesting geological spot, I will tell you that much. Whenever there is an earthquake, it breaks down one, and the land kind of starts to get pushed up from the force of it, and there's rich, rich just deposits of those wonderful money-making resources. <laughs> he goes, but enough with that. That's boring, and you want it exciting. Yeah. Hmm. I know something that's exciting. He points towards the uh, east, where you can see that now you're looking towards the scene. He goes... That's the Ferrari district. And he goes, look at that building. And in there, you see one massive building built on uh, a lift. And it says, and it is brightly colored. It is colored pink and green. And it is marked by a giant gold rose on the top of the top, on the top of the roof. And he goes, that is the House of Rosens. It is a uh, verdant, boisterous place of colors and the loud voices of people here trying to smooth over the politics. That is exciting. We are trying to join the Federation, which means that my little business might get outlawed. <clears throat> Anyways, if you need a good laugh, go there. There is currently multiple fights going on between the two uh, political factions. Those who are loyal to Mr. Akram, who want to follow his will, and those who want to move us forward. Personally, I know where my vote's going. And um, Where is your vote going? Why? To keep this place out of the purview of the Federation law, of course. Where is Mr. Akram? Mr. Akram, and as you say that, you start to pass, and you see a similar statue to what you saw in the, in the um, train station. And it's uh, even bigger. And he says, oh, Mr. Akram, uh, he, he disappeared about five years ago. 
Just up and left? You just up and vanished? It's hard to believe, but yes. But not just him. He had a inner circle, so to speak. Ah. Those who were loyal to him. Some call them a cult. I call them crazies. Others call them people who understand how to make political moves. Uh, They all vanished. Who was um, part of this group? Oh, various folks. Uh, There were some that were in the different uh, political factions. Um, Those who were speakers um, for the houses. Uh, But, I don't know, people without guidance. Those who look to Mr. Atkin for wisdom, learning. Okay. Yes. Yeah, this Mr. Akram, he's a curious fellow, I, I presume. Yes. Yeah. Um, did Did anyone ever look into why he might have disappeared? This seems kind of odd that all these people who worship and respect this guy, he, he just ups and vanishes, and, and then that's it. Ah, uh, well, the leader of the House of Dictates, uh, Speaker Holst, he says that um, he left because it was what was foretold. You see, to say that this town was just a private enterprise would be a lie. <laughs> you see, I live outside the boundaries of this town, so I have a much clearer view. It, in many ways, was run in a the theocratic manner. He brought all kinds of people, anybody who could work. But he really called out to those looking for guidance for religion. And many of the laws, as he was the one who was solely proprieting this place, was run around his belief sets. Pseudo-religious in its nature. The part that I don't understand was how did people follow him, and yet they never saw him? He would often speak through various holograms and viewports and video sources and but never once was he ever seen outside of those who belong to the dictates do they know he was human because i see these statues made yeah i was gonna say has anyone ever actually seen guy or do these statues just built off of what what they might think he looks like <laughs> like I said nobody's seen him which makes it hmm. ever stranger that anybody would follow him and yet you follow him me oh no lord no I just live off of his idiots that live here but they're growing wiser so <clears throat> Anyways, as we are, <laughs> the time has been wonderful, but I am nearing my hour limit here. And uh, as you can see, the Smith District up here in the north is where you can find all of your shops and well-to-dos. And, uh, but uh, looking at the three of you, I'm assuming you're going to need a place to stay. So I will do this as one last favor for my three friends. I would highly recommend that you stay 
within the interior corridor. There is a wonderful public house there. Of course, there are others, but the owner is quite friendly. Uh, and <laughs> no offense, Mr. Sunmaker, not Atlas. Questions are not asked. And so he starts to bring you around uh, to what appears to be like a pretty like plain um, various like housing district and takes you uh, to an area that's been covered in like what someone it seems like they imported trees and potted them and has tried to create this forest type effect and you see a small square building it has windows on all sides there the the door while the building is like made of stone the door is made of wood and you can just make out the faint bits of music uh playing within um and the sign across the top just says d's and uh he goes so my friends it's been a pleasure and I will be taking that 35, 32 credits. <laughs> well, I appreciate you showing us around, and maybe uh, later on while we're while we're here, we can think you up again, and you can share with me a little bit more of that that uh, history of this place. I'm quite curious. Well, you know where to find me. And uh... no, one one last thing. What exactly? is your business. Something tells me it's a little more than just showing folks around. Uh, go ahead and make... You know, I mean, I'm just... Charisma roll with that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. I might, I might be in looking for some work myself. You know, trying to get into all sorts of different uh, enterprises, I should say. What was it, man? He uh, looks at you up and down and he goes, Hmm. I'm just your friendly tourism guide. If you are looking for work, though, let me go ahead and make a recommendation to you. And um, let me look, grab my notes here so I don't give you the wrong bit of information. I want you, if you're looking for work, I would check out the Lonely Court. It might not be your speed. What kind of work is it? Oh, it's not my work. Ask for a, uh, a halfling named Thyra. You'll find that she is a bit brusque, but she's always in need of What kind of help? Can I, because of my background, can I try to speak in, uh, it's not thieves camp, but what was the... Oh, the bu- business? Y- yeah. Yeah, because of the criminal background, can I try to, like, just say something in that manner, or, like, signal? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what do you want to say? Uh, yeah, I'm going to actually ask if he, uh, I don't really know how these can work. Is it just like a, like paraphrase basically things for a meaning, or is it actually like a language? 
it's it's more like snippets. It's like a um, code, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's a, it's some sort of a code. It could be like gibberish. It could be that you're having a conversation. And you're flashing hand signs that only you two can read. Okay. Um, I'm basically gonna make some type of signal to say um, I need to speak to you alone for some information. I want you to go ahead and also make a charisma roll, but with advantage. Uh, 16. Okay. So he is having this conversation with all of you, and um, Atlas, you just get uh, a quick succession of uh, flashes that are very small and minute, something that only you would catch. And what you gather from that is something to the effect of Hillier. Ask for Hillier. You can find him at the Lonely Cord. He's a regular. Information Hillier. is what he deals in. To Hillier and the Interior Corps? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's been a pleasure. And um, he goes to shake both Clive and McKenna's hands. I shake his hand, and I'm actually going to pay him 40 credits and thank him for such a great tour. <laughs> yeah. The pleasure was mine. You did a great Anna. job. Thank you. Yeah. Clive, will you make a perception roll? Sure. Yes. Uh, uh, it's going to be 12. Well, you two take care. And he jaunts off leaving the three of you with the directions he gave you to the Lonely Cord. Um, I'm assuming you guys go there, yes? Okay, you guys start to finally, as the sun is, the two twin suns are beginning to kind of like make their uh, arcs that is creating a strange uh, glow of a sunset. You find yourselves rounding the corner to the Lonely Cord and out front you see two women just kind of like standing there, uh, scantily dressed. Um, and the building itself is uh, single story, stone walled. Um, and you see several, judging by like the design of the way it's fitted, probably like uh, heavy uh, weapon proof glass windows. Um, as you guys start to get closer, you can hear like some music kind of like breaking out, like through the door, and the two women. I need everyone here to go and make a perception roll. 21. Uh, 21. That's going to be a solid nine. Four. Four. McKenna, you realize there's something odd about them, and that's when you notice that they are no women. They are robots. And they go, well, hello, and welcome to the Lonely Cove. Come get yourself a strong drink, a break. New visitors are welcome. You can find company within. Clyde walks over and he uh, tips his hat and he's like, well, how do you do, ladies? We do well. And then they repeat it again, like, just like not like any like actual like artificial mm. intelligence just on repeat where like they, they as soon as like they give you an answer they go 
Hello, mm-hmm. and welcome to the Lonely Course. And then, uh, as you guys start to open, go to the door, one of the women robots goes over and opens it, mm-hmm. and you see a busy crowd of unseemly characters and within. As we walk through the door, Clive kind of steps back and thinks to himself, why did I do that? That, <laughs> that was so strange. And I'm just Immediately, as you guys start to enter, the crowd grows quiet, seeing new people, especially with Loxodon. And from behind the bar, you see more of these, both male, uh, female, these robots all around, kind of like some like serving uh, drinks, some actually um, talking in programmed uh flirtatious, uh, various versions of love languages to some of the patrons. <laughs> um, there is a golden-haired, uh, thick-spectacled halfling who looks like she's probably in her 30s, and she's standing on top of the bar, pouring drinks for people and just kind of handing them out. And when she sees you, she puts her hands on her hips, and she goes, New folks! Welcome to the Lonely Cord! My place is here. The rules are don't go bash anyone's face in. And you'll be respected. Welcome. The name's Thyra. Was there dancing before we walked in? No. No. And, um, that I think we will probably start to move on to, uh, call it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Mm. All right, it sounds like we're about to get ourselves into some fun here. Yeah, yeah. Guys, thank you for joining in. Um, we hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>